Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Has been a while. We have been a little bit MIA, I will admit, from uh, putting some podcast episodes up. If you remember back the last uh, group of episodes or, or multi-part episode that we put up was uh, my conversation with Zach, uh, one of our triathletes we've been working with, and I've been fortunate to work with the last couple of years, navigating the last three three or so and a bit years of his preparation and, and how we sort of worked through that, ups and downs and the like. But pretty much the reason why we've been away is because we have been away. We've all been taking a bit of a break, uh, having a bit of a holiday, a bit of time off to reset and refresh for a big uh, 2023. And from my perspective, we, we've kicked it off with a, a really busy start. Now, I was having a look at the stats before. 58 athletes, that's right, 58 already through the lab this year. And we started back the second week of Jan. So that, that's just over a month's worth of uh, lab being open, uh, so to speak, at Mets. And a large number of athletes coming in to test themselves, see where they're at update their training zones, dive into where can where can they take their training over the next little while to really refine and continue to improve. Plenty of those athletes really looking at uh, dialing in their training now for some upcoming racing. Obviously, being summer uh, in Australia and particularly Melbourne, we've got a lot more events on the calendar this time of year compared to through the winter months. So um, definitely looking at a lot of race-specific preparation at the moment and, and seeing uh, also how athletes have come off some off-season periods couple of triathletes that I've worked with over the last uh, couple of months, we've been looking at postings like Melbourne 70.3 or Bustleton Ironman taking a break and now resetting to, to look at further goals throughout the year, whether that be uh, racing in uh, the next couple of months with Geelong 70.3 coming, coming up or something a bit later on, uh, say with Cairns Ironman middle of the year. Uh, same with our, our runners taking a bit of time off after, say, a Melbourne marathon going through the Christmas period and now looking at, well, what can we build towards? Maybe like a Gold Coast Marathon or a Run Melbourne uh, throughout 2023. So been a really interesting time looking at some interesting data and, and some great conversations and, and uh, insights happening in the lab over the last month or so. Now, what you would have seen and what I want to spend most of uh, today on is you would have seen us talking about a few devices and you, you may have, uh, if you're part of our email list network uh, and the updates that we send out via our email, um, you would be familiar with Luke putting out some info about a couple of devices we've been getting in the lab to test ourselves, but also trying to make more accessible uh, to the athletes uh, and coaches that we are working with. And the, the first one that I want to highlight here is the core body temperature sensor. Now, these have been, I guess, made somewhat famous by the, the Norwegian triathlon group in, in uh, Olaf Alexander and Christian Blumenfeld, Gustav Eden. You have seen it all over their social media. Um, these little white clips is the best way to describe it uh, from an audio sense with you guys listening. Uh, it's a smaller white clip that, that goes on the side of your heart rate, uh, heart rate strap, so you don't have to get any new um, accessories there. It just clips straight on, and there's a little fastening buckle that you can clip in as well to make sure it doesn't uh, fall off, and I highly recommend using that because I have had one or two athletes tell me uh, that it fell off during training. I said, did you use the fastening buckle? They said no, and I said, it's a good one to, to jump on because you don't want to be losing that device uh, mid-training session or race. But what we're looking at with this fundamentally is just a new way of, and a really sim simple and practical way of looking at your core temperature. Now, previously, uh, to give you a bit of insight, to, to accurately measure core temperature in exercise, you would have to do it through one or two things. And now the athletes, a uh, little bit of an explicit warning here, um, the, the athletes who've been through some of the testing in uh, some research studies and that where they've measured core temperature will know it it's not necessarily the most comfortable thing, um, particularly the thermometer method. Um, it, it is uh, a little bit, a little bit graphic in times in where they place that thermometer. Let's say, and I'll leave it at that. Um, that that's one way of measuring core temperature. Or, or some of you might be familiar with the the pill solution. So, um, what I mean by that is a a pill that you swallow. 
that is effectively a thermometer and it passes through the digestive system. It doesn't get broken down. It'll end up coming out the end, um, but it's a way that you can have a look at internal because we're placing the thermometer directly inside. Having said that, there's, there's issues with that because the thermometer side of things um, from an external in perspective, we're, we're only measuring one portion of that digestive tract and pending where something like that pill is going um, can be a bit tricky because it can the temperature can change as it moves through the system. So even though your core temperature might have been stable, it, it can change. So this is where we, we've got to find a balance between what's, um, what's usable, accurate, practical as well and, and less invasive and that's where this core temperature sensor really comes in because it just clips on the outside it's it's um not intrusive at all you barely notice it when you're running along or you're or you're cycling as i said it just sits on the outside of your heart rate monitor but it's giving us some really interesting insight in terms of core body temperature so it's it's a little sensor on the outside and, and the process um a really simple way of thinking about the process is it's it's looking at uh, the qualities of what is the the temperature on um they it's a similar technique what is the temperature on the outside to to then calculate or measure the inside based on um, some insulation properties similar technique to what say firefighters might use um to to assess the temperature of a fire inside uh, a room uh, they can measure the properties of uh, what, how hot is the, the surface on the outside. So say the glass on the outside of the room, based on what we know about the insulation properties of glass, we can assess what the temperature on the inside of the room is. And that's kind of like what this sensor is doing uh, from a human perspective. We're just looking at the insulation properties of skin and fat um, uh, as well. So uh, this device is constantly going to be evolving and changing. It is relatively new out onto the market, but I think it's a really interesting one. And we've only had them uh, the last couple of weeks uh, as of recording this podcast to, to be able to play around with. And so I've started playing in the lab uh, and in my own training sessions to look at core body temperature trends. Um, something that I'm going to be implementing uh, in the next little while is looking at uh, heat specifically in the heat training side of things. And we've spoken on the podcast and, and Luke and I've jumped on before to talk about things like heat acclimation or acclimatization, improving our performance in the heat, getting that stimulus in by, via um, either training in hot rooms. So chuck your, chuck your kicker in the, uh, in, the, in the bathroom, turn the shower on and get the heaters going to simulate that hot, humid environment. If you're going over and racing, say a Kona or an Ironman Cairns after spending your prep in a more moderate climate like a Melbourne, um, the, this device is going to be a really interesting one in terms of really refining that process in and, and being able to manipulate it specific to your temperature ranges because we're all going to thermoregulate differently, but dialing it in there and, and applying some of their heat training protocols um, seems to look like, and I, again, I haven't tested these uh, specifically just yet, but the evidence is coming out of some of the research that they've done into their own device, which you always have to take with a bit of grain of salt because they're obviously trying to sell a product. So we, we have to test our, these things ourselves. But uh, some of that is looking at really refining that process in to be really optimized individually for you. And the result then being we're going to be able to perform a bit better in the heat. The interesting side for me is not necessarily just performing in the heat, but then performing in normal temperature. How does this have an application to being able to perform when it is... 20, 18 degrees, comfortable conditions, does some of this heat training actually have a positive effect? Uh, we know heat training uh, specifically can have an effect on things like blood plasma volume. Does that then further impact total blood volume and ultimately hemoglobin concentrations? Um, that would give us an, uh, an ultimate edge in terms of oxygen carrying capacity in the blood. So all of these things I'm really quite interested in, in how does it apply more broadly, but definitely from a heat side of things. So there are some heat training protocols and heat testing protocols that we're going to be playing around with. So keep an eye out. Uh, we might put some stuff up on our socials once we've got a few athletes in to be able to implement that heat protocol uh, to be able to identify uh, what they what uh, the core temperature team is is 
referring to as a heat training zone um, to get the most out of it um, and when to implement that. We're, we're going to be playing around with that sensor and, and let us know. If, you, if you've been using the core body temperature sensor, um, send us a message and let us know what you found already, any insights that you've, you've seen, what, what are the things that are, uh, are really interesting that you found? Have you found it maybe not as useful? Are you unsure on how to interpret that data? Happy to have that conversation and see where, uh, where we can take it. And, and a really interesting uh, new addition to the, the variety of sensors that we know are becoming more and more available. I'm going to move on now to uh, blood lactate analysis. Now, you would have seen Luke also sent out uh, recently some info around some blood lactate analyzers that we've come across that we think are going to be a really uh, handy, practical, but in particular, a more affordable solution um, for the, for the av uh, average athlete or the, the athlete or maybe a coach working out there who just wants to get an idea of what is happening in some very specific circumstances. Um, and what I want to preface this by saying is that blood lactate analysis um, as a whole really can break down into two parts. We can, we can test it in the lab as we have done over a number of years now at METS uh, as part of the, the lab testing protest uh, to establish training zones and, and understand how your body responds to particular intensity stimulus. But then out in the field, we're looking at very, very particular scenarios. And something that I posted recently on my own Instagram, if you want to go check that out, uh, at NJ underscore sports science over on Instagram. Um, and what I've been playing around with as well is some uh, field testing with some of the, the triathletes I've been working with, most notably in the lead up to uh, 70.3 Hobart last week, um, Mitch Kibbe, had a fantastic result, came second uh, in the professional field by about 15 seconds. It was, it was a very close, tight race the entire way. But the week before, we actually did some field testing uh, using blood lactate. I was chasing him along uh, on the bike, trying to keep up. He was running absolutely unbelievably fast. And what we were looking at there is a very race-specific uh, running pace. But also, he did that run off the bike. So he spent about three hours on the bike with some race efforts, jumped off, settled into his run, and then we did a couple of uh, race-specific uh, 5K repeats, if you like, uh, looking at blood lactate and assessing uh, what was the stability and what were the trends like as we got through that run with race nutrition, the, the temperature and environment that we had was actually a little bit warmer. So we, we wanted to see how we responded there. And we got some really interesting data. Now that only makes sense though, because I've got a good amount of data on him previously uh, from the lab testing that we've conducted and the, his own uh, lactate data that he's collected in the field as well. So well, you have to remember that this needs to work in context. Just going in and spot checking blood lactate may not be the best way to go about it, but but building a profile over time and building these trends over time is, is more interesting to us. So um, we, we've come across these lactate analyzers that do make it more affordable. Uh, so if you're interested in those, feel free to get in touch with us. Happy to help uh, set you up with a blood lactate analyzer if that's something you're interested in diving in. Because I think it can be quite useful and used re really well and correctly in the field. Um, but it can also be a tricky one because we need to make sure that you take the sample correctly and accurately and repeatably. We need to make sure we're not contaminating the sample, which is a really easy thing to do. Uh, obviously, you need to make sure we're getting enough blood in that sample uh, to make sure it analyzes correctly. The storage of the testing strips is an important one um, and, and making sure that the equipment is working and calibrated accurately. Um, but I think when, when implemented well, it can have a really great effect. And again, another one that you, you'll see on social media, um, teams like the Norwegian team and, and some other professionals out there starting to post more about testing more, uh, blood lactate more regularly throughout their training. Um, again, feel free to reach out if you've got any questions or, or interested in that, that process overall. Happy to help where we can. And the interesting thing I, I've noticed with this new blood lactate analyzer that we've, we've uh, come across and, and ultimately uh, trying to make more uh, affordable and accessible to everyone is um, the, the blood sample is actually a little bit larger than what a lot of the other 
um, devices on the market offer, which we, we believe is actually a little bit of an added bonus. Typically, that should actually make for some more accurate collection of, uh, collection of samples um, compared to the very, very small ones that, that most traditional blood lactate readers will go for. Um, the bigger sample is a bit of a bonus. So, and we've, we've found that um, between what we're collecting in the lab and what we're collecting uh, off this new device, very, very comparable as well. So, um, it's the type of thing that we're, we're quite confident this is going to be a really nice solution for those those athletes out there who, who want to go a bit deeper and dive a bit deeper into blood lactate uh, throughout their training rather than just looking at it uh, in lab circumstances. How, how can we look at it across uh, a, a greater spectrum of, of sessions, types of sessions, etc.? cetera? Um, uh, I think it's going to be a really useful tool. So let us know if you're interested and we can, we can help point you in the right, right direction there. The final device I want to talk about uh, here that we're, we're also going to be playing around with a little bit more. And, and again, something that I've specifically implemented in my training and, and out of the three that I've talked about today, the core temperature, the lactate analyzer, and this final one being the stride power meter, uh, the foot pod for runners um, and running based applications. This is the one that I, I really have enjoyed using. Um, I got one myself uh, just pre-Christmas about November. So I've been using it for three and a bit, almost four months now uh, in my training. And the, the main reason that I got it was one, a bit of curiosity and a lot of athletes coming into the lab with the foot pods uh, and athletes that I've been working with um, starting to use the foot pods over the last little while a little bit more and seeing it pop up a bit more. Um, I want to sort of dive in and, and understand how it works, the application, how intuitive it is in terms of the, the intensity uh, control me- uh, mechanism, I guess, in, in your training. Like what is the application in a zone two run? Like how, how much better or easier or not easier is it to to monitor intensity in something like a zone two compared to pace or heart rate which we've traditionally been using and personally for me that's something i've always struggled with i I typically have a slightly higher heart rate um, by the nature of the the type of training i do in my my own physiology so i've always found it particularly when the the temperature goes up to to i find it really hard on slightly undulating um, surfaces even on flat surfaces as well to keep my heart rate nice and level as I want to in a, in a zone two, um, and really try to like, uh, it's a really big guessing game at times for me personally on what pace that needs to be to keep that heart rate in the right area. Chucking the stride power meter on did, did a bit of testing with it. Did a, did actually just a a basic sort of ramp test in the lab, not with, um, too much going on, measured a little bit of oxygen consumption, some lactate, but it it wasn't a, a full test. I just wanted to look at mainly zone two to set up some base zones and using that information, it really did make it so much easier for me to stick to an intensity in a zone two run. And I've actually found it's more intuitive, uh, for me personally, some people might find heart rate, uh, is a bit more intuitive and more natural for them. That is absolutely fine, and we can. We're still going to be um, uh, identifying training zones in the lab based on heart rate and and pace, as, as we always have done. But now we're going to start to implement uh, the ability to be able to look at zones from a power perspective. So if you've already got uh, a stride power meter, let us know before you come into the lab that you have one and, and absolutely wear it when you come in. We'll record some data uh, throughout the test and be able to match up your training zones to power. Um, so we get all that goodness of the physiology that, that we traditionally have in the lab, but we can match it up specifically to those power meter metrics. Um, and, and like I said, that, that's been really useful for me, jumping into a zone two run and knowing, okay, I need to sit on, say, between 240 to 260 watts, uh, particularly through some undulations and on some different surfaces. I quite often like going out uh, on the beach trail close to where I live, um, and th- that can change. It's a little bit sand, sand in some sections, firmer dirt in others, a little bit of uh, concrete to, to sort of get through into the next little bit. 
up and down, just a, some slight elevation change uh, and some, some twists and turns, I've actually found power has been a really uh, interesting but also very, very useful and intuitive tool to stay at that intensity. I've noticed I've, I've regulated zone two a lot better as a result. Um, so the stride power meters, I think, are a really great implementation, a really great tool to use. And some interesting insights I've seen with some of the athletes I've worked with is some interesting correlations between what their bike power has been like and their running power. Um, so finding these sort of similar patterns in as intensity goes up, we're seeing these similar changes across their power meter on their bike versus their power meter on the run. Not to say specifically, I do have one case where it has come out uh, for one athlete, basically the same, which has been really, really interesting to see. And I think a little bit coincidental, but ultimately um, looking at the same, all right, for, for the same 20 or 30 watt increase, we're seeing that transition in zone happen. It might just be a bit higher or lower based on are we on, uh, are we on running power versus bike power. It, it may not come as the same number, but we're seeing similar sort of trends. So that's another interesting one that we can sort of start to refine our training a bit more and, and, and have these clear metrics. The bonus I really like with power is it's, it's a bit more, when I say a bit more independent, um, heart rate is very much reliant on um, your economy as well because if you've got fantastic economy it's much easier to keep your heart rate down if you're sort of dragging your feet a bit which can sometimes be an issue in zone two it can be a bit of an issue to to keep the heart rate down whereas power um, is just going to tell us what that exertion is and so it eliminates a bit of that economy factor which i think can be a good one for those who really struggle to keep uh, numbers down or heart rates down low enough to stay in zone two um, focusing on power really really got me a little bit more conscious of how I was holding form through those sessions, um, conscious of how I was running and trying to find a way to, to get the body to, to create the output the most effective way and, and ultimately in the best way I need for that stimulus. So definitely interested in playing around with these a little bit more. We actually are going to be receiving a handful of the stride power meters and, and to circle back a little bit, we've got some lactide analyzers on the way um, and also we have some core temperature sensors ready to go in the lab if you're interested in grabbing one of those. Uh, feel free to get in contact with us. Um, like I said, send me uh, an email, nick at metsperformance.com if you're interested in, in getting your hands on one of these devices or if you want to come into the lab and, and see them in action or, or get in touch to discuss our experiences or athletes' experiences with these devices, more than happy to share those insights with you uh particularly as they develop like i said with something like core being so new uh, for us as well we're still playing and learning and, and seeing its application so um feel free to keep keep in touch and we'll keep you updated on some future episodes in the podcast and via our social media channels uh, on how, how all of that process uh is going but they're the three main devices that we're, we're looking at and something we're really excited to be uh to be implementing across 2023 and providing some greater insight and access to to these new technologies uh, that are emerging in the field becoming more popular as well um what are, what are the devices that we should also look into that we haven't mentioned here i know they're, they're three main ones that we're focused on in the next little while but what are some things that you've seen um, whether it be on social media, online, YouTube, whatever it might be, um, heard about in discussions with your, your training buddies. What are some other devices that we should look into? And, and ultimately, what should we get our hands on to test? What are you interested in and what do you want to hear from us um, in that space, in terms of the technology space? Really, really um, wanting to shape a little bit of what we do this year around those who are interested in and have been following us, but also want to want to sort of use us as a sounding board and a testing platform. I mean, at the end of the day, as sports scientists, that that is fundamentally our role to problem solve, test and adjust, um, have a look at what what is going on and, and see these advancements in the field, provide some clear recommendations on whether they're useful or practical for you to use specifically. Some of these things might not be the most practical for some athletes. I mean, for example, if you're a... Um, 
if you're a if you're a cycling based athlete, stride power meter for, for runners is not going to be applicable to you. Um, but if there's something in a cycling sense you want us to go check out, uh, let us know. We'd, we'd be more than happy to investigate that for you uh, and provide our thoughts and insights uh, as they come apparent. So. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of an update on on where we're at. Really looking forward to uh, getting this podcast up and going again for 2023. Um, some, something to keep an eye out for, we are going to be getting some more guests on the podcast. So another question to you guys, who do you want to see uh, or hear, should I say, on the podcast on Physiology Secrets uh, in 2023? Looking to maybe get some of our uh, previous guests on to, to see their updated insights. Some of these guests that we've had on are fantastic, but uh, we haven't heard from them in quite some time uh, on the podcast. We've spoken to them in our own ways, but um, we're going to get those uh, those people back on to chat who else do you want to see um who would you like us to reach out to to get an invite on the podcast uh hopefully uh you've got some great ideas on, on some people that are really interesting insights and, and some different conversations that that we can have uh, to bring to you we have a couple of guests already lined up so looking forward to getting those uh, those people on and, and hopefully they can provide some value to to you but um yeah again really looking forward to getting this podcast uh, up and going and bringing it back uh for 2023 in a really uh good interesting insight way. So I'm going to leave it there for today. Again, any questions, queries um, on anything we discuss here or anything you'd like to reach out to us with, as I said before, get in contact with me directly, nick at metsperformance.com via email or head over to our social media channel, specifically Instagram, really easy way to get in touch with us at metsperformance. I'm going to leave it there. Looking forward to hearing from you all and we'll see you in the next episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. Cheers, guys.